Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on how you can live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Tanya McKenzie. We're going to talk about entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about her ventures, her company, her podcast, her book, and uh, marketing and branding and, and social media and all those things so that you can yourself, as you are creating your business, trying to grow your business uh, and amplify your voice uh, with what you're doing as an entrepreneur, that you can become more successful. And as we say, make the impact and the income. So for those who'll be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Tanya? Well, hello there. Greetings, good people. I hope you're good out there. This is Tanya McKenzie. I fashion myself as the PR priestess because I am always talking about public relations and storytelling because I think it's so important. I'm the founder of Sand and Shores. It is a communications and leadership firm. I'm out here in Redondo Beach, California, originally from the Bay Area, mother of four. I'm also a Los Angeles County Commissioner of Alcohol and Other Drugs. So I do firmly believe that we all should be serving the communities um, in which we live. Other than that, I'm just happy to be here. Always happy to have these types of conversations and hopefully have the opportunity to maybe even connect with you guys online and off. All right. So I'm always curious as, as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'd be, you would be doing when you were growing up? And what attracted you to public relations? Well, I thought I was going to be an attorney. It was the only thing I ever really wanted to do. I actually wound up going to Santa Clara University in a pre-law program my junior year, which is like the epitome of law programs uh, in California. What ha happened was my mom passed away and I wound up having to raise my two sisters. What I do know for sure is that law and being good at what you're trying to do requires a high level of dedication. And because I was raising my two sisters, I took custody of my two younger sisters. They were five and seven at the time. I knew that I would not be able to give them the time that they needed if I was giving my career the time that it needed. So public relations became my fallback. Why? When I was in college, I worked like a thousand jobs. I was a super gypsy. I worked for our housing. I was a RA. I worked for our athletic department the whole time. I was the manager for our athletic department, and we were huge in sports back then at Cal State. I know many of you might not know about Northridge, but it's the part of Los Angeles. It's in the Valley. It's where, let's just say, it's the capital of the porn nation. So we had the first anonymous HIV testing back then, and it was my job to get everybody that could, they, that I could, to come get the test. I was like, how am I supposed to do that? My budget was kind of low, but I had a budget. What you wind up learning about public relations is it's not about how many times you tell people something. It's really about how you can spread the word, how you can elevate the story. So <laughs> finding stories and helping getting other people to help me tell the story about what Northridge's health center was doing. That was my real first dabble with public relations. And I was uncomfortable, one, but I was just thrown in there and I was challenged to make it happen. I had numbers, I had a goal, I needed to make it happen. And I did. 
understanding that the power of public relations can really move the needle in businesses and organizations, nonprofits, is something over time I have continued to learn. I worked for the YMCA. I was an associate executive director. I accepted a job, didn't really know what it meant. I didn't have a budget because everybody knows when a budget gets cut, first thing that goes is what? Marketing dollars. Well, how do you get people to know about what you're doing if you're not continuously talking about it or pouring money into marketing? Hmm, public relations. I didn't even know what it was called back then. But what I did know is that I could call reporters and I could call journalists and I could call the newspaper and tell them what I was doing and tell them about the people in our organization and they would start to cover it. And it got so interesting that if they weren't going to cover what I was doing, I would start making up stories, not making up stories, doing things that would make them interested in what we were doing. So that's youth programs, active older adult programs. We wound up raising over a million dollars and opening a new facility while I was there. That in itself, I can go back to that same spot now and see the facility that we opened is now a full-blown like lifestyle center. So knowing that the power of storytelling is so vast and impactful, it led me to, I guess, not be so sad that I couldn't go to law school, but actually dig my heels in a lot deeper on public relations and communications and the art of storytelling. Mm. So everyone has that story or that something that pulls them into entrepreneurship. Tell us about what inspired you to found your company, Sand and Shores, and what motivated you to focus on the world of leadership and communication? I have to be honest, it was it was my husband. He's in tech. And we came out to uh, Manhattan Beach, Beach Cities. One time he was working for this company and he saw people in the middle of the week just kind of living their best life, trying to understand how you're able to do that. He just started asking people, what do you do? How do you do it? And it was really about ownership. When you have ownership, you're able to leverage a higher quality of life because that is something you can lean into. You can get business credit. You can buy a house if your credit is right. You know, there are so many different things you learn just from talking to people. He started his business first. So he left the nine to five grind of the tech world, which was paying very well and started his own business. I found myself in a situation where I was complaining a lot about really not reaping the rewards of the job that I was doing. So at the time I had been working for an agency, actually a media company out here in Los Angeles. And I was working on a lot, working really hard, always stressed, but still, you know, not really feeling awarded or rewarded for the work that I was doing. So he just said, start your own. You know what you're doing. You know how to do it. Start doing it your way. The first thing I did was launch, I had the opportunity to launch a magazine. It took me about a year to launch that magazine. There was nights I cried because selling advertising, there's an art to that. But I also live in a community that a lot of people don't look like me. So I have to fight that fight. They're very fickle. So being able to show persistence when it comes to the sales process and eventually get that magazine launched, I wound up doing more PR for my advertising clients because, listen, advertising is great, but if you don't have a story to go along with that ad, a story to go along with that brand, so you might hear brand storytelling or your brand story, it's important for people to 
understand why you are doing what you're doing. That might not have been a that might not have been a thing before, but I'll ask you this. Do you remember a full page ad in a magazine or do you remember maybe a good story that someone told you? So even if you don't need right. So even if you don't need someone's service at that time, someone telling you a story that connects you to them will keep them top of mind when you do need that service, right? And really being able to dig into the art of storytelling to connect with your target audience and seeing how it works and seeing how the profits follow that, Mm -hmm. uh, that just, you know, I dug my heels in. So not only do I have a PR agency, but I teach, I train, I do webinars for some of the largest PR uh, companies now. And it, I love it. I think it's important. I don't think it's really talked about as much as it should be because most people think PR is about entertainment, right? You'd be like, oh, my publicist, my publicist. Well, it's not just about a publicist. I don't consider myself a publicist. I'm a public relations professional. I can be a publicist. I don't really like to be in the entertainment scope of it because some of the essentials of public relations gets lost, but businesses need PR. Entrepreneurs need PR. How about this? Have you ever had someone ask you, what do you do anyways? That's because you ain't telling your story. You're not telling your story. You're not connecting well with your target audience. If a family member asks you, what do you do? And you've been doing it for over two years, you're not telling your story. Your brand is weak. You need to increase your brand value by continuously telling your story. And I know we're, we're, we're taught not to do that. It almost seems braggadocious, but it's not. If you know the science of it, and there is a science behind it, you have to hear somebody's name, hear a brand name, see a logo, something at least seven times before someone will take action on it. Each person, that gives you an idea of how often you really should be talking about what you do, how you do it, your logo, where, who you do it with. Those things are braggadocious. The people that have succeeded, you'll see, they still do it. McDonald's is a billion dollar company. They still do it. And how does someone tell their brand story or uncover it, right? Because when people are sort of thinking about whether it be that that origin or why they're doing it or how they're doing it, it's easy for people to overlook what they do because they just do it. And so how do they unravel all of those experiences to be able to actually tell their brand story? It really comes down to the moment that triggered it, right? So you could talk about, I could talk about um, a client that uh, she developed a jeans brand, but, but why, right? It's always the, but why, why did you do that? If, or I ask them, who are you and why should I care? You should be able to answer that question. For her, the jeans brand came about because she was very hippie and she had a little waist. Well, if you look at most models and most jeans these days, they're either for little people or they're for big people. Well, what happens to the person in the middle? And if you're someone that's not just dainty and you need a rugged type of jean, you know, how do you tell that story? What happened to you for you to decide, listen, I'm over it. I'm over spending my money on all this stuff. I was crying in the dressing room because I couldn't find anything to fit me. So I knew there was other women out there like me. So I just started to develop something that worked for me. And now we have A, B, and C. You have to get a little vulnerable as to why you started this business. Because the same way that you've started, you're connecting to someone else that has that same problem. 
that is your brand story. That is where it begins. And everything else is just, it's a plus. Okay, now I changed, you know, I changed the fabric. I changed this. You have to have a story. And even if you're going to rebrand, give you a good example, uh, Victoria's Secret. They did the whole, you know, they've been Victoria's Secrets for so long. We all know what that image is. And all of a sudden, they just decided to be a company for every woman. And they came out with a new campaign. Well, they never told the story about why they came out with a new campaign. So that switch they thought was going to happen, it didn't. It uh, You need to be vulnerable. So they would have to come out and tell their story about why. What happened for you to decide, this is the direction that my brand is going now. Did some, you know, did someone's feelings get hurt? Did you realize you were alienating a whole other population of women? What happened? Why are we here? When you connect your brand and the why to your audience through the story, it resonates much further than just doing a thing. And understand this too. Marketing is you telling people how amazing you are. Public relations is other people telling other people how amazing you are. There is an art to that. And a huge part of that is storytelling. Mm. So we've seen how much technology has impacted business, especially when the Rona came, but the Rona's still here, but uh, when everything <laughs> shut down, right? And all of a sudden, we were, it was like digital, 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 digital. And all of these businesses, I'm in Mississippi, so I we it wasn't New York or, or California or anything, but all of a sudden we had DoorDash and Instacart and other, other other things. And I saw how that started to change businesses and change jobs and careers and sort of things. When you are looking at business strategy, marketing, branding, and social media, how does all of that uh, work together in this digital space? First of all, we have to talk solutions space. Most of this stuff comes up because someone is looking for a solution to a problem. Instacart, obviously, we got the Rona. We ain't going out in Mississippi. <laughs> so we got to find a way to get what we need, right? Even these social media apps, many of them have come up based on the fact that there was a need to be social while selling. So social selling is a whole thing. Social selling is a whole thing. Well, how can I how can I maximize my social selling? Well, I'm going to oops, sorry about that. I'm going to come out with a I'm going to come out with an app that allows for you to be on it, be social and sell your products. My husband started a company called um, startingpoint.ai because he is also, he has a consulting business and he needed a tool that he didn't have in his business. So he actually developed a software for himself and wound up finding out that there's a plethora of other small businesses that too need this software. It is a solutions, it's solutions-based. And that's like any business. You start your business because there's a problem, you're solving a problem. Whether So whether it's something tangible or a software or a service, all of these things are a solution to help humans do something better, to help humans do something they can't do without it, to help humans develop in a way that they weren't before. And the problem becomes when it becomes too much, like, I don't know, AI right now is, you know, the hot thing. It's a great solution, but you can't abuse it. When we start abusing tools 
it does not give us a positive outcome. It's always negative. So the answer to your question is really just being solutions-based. Lord, the answer is just being really solutions-based to all of um to all of the things that come up in your day-to-day life or your business life. That in itself is going to take you a lot further um knowing that this is going to help someone. It's going to help me. <laughs> it's going to help me. So you are an author as I mentioned uh in my introduction, uh you wrote a child's memories of cartoons and murder. Uh when I first read the title, I'm like, oh, well, what? And I know that has to be the sort of uh, impression when people first see the title. Uh, what was the pain point for you writing the book? And how has writing the book influenced your approach, if any, uh, to leadership and communication? Okay. The pain point was the fact that I had I had started a process of eliminating generational dysfunction in my family. It There have been some very pervasive things that have gone on in my life. I'm a gun violence survivor from the age of five. I was sexually assaulted twice. And these are conversations that could have destroyed, these are issues that could have destroyed just about anyone else. So push past that, live in life keeping my kids out of that type of environment. And I realized because I'm someone that tells people to tell their story on a regular basis, realized I was being a hypocrite because I had not even told my own story. So finding the time, the isolation and the process to write this book actually helped me be a better PR person because I also was able to recognize when people get stuck, right? We get stuck. How do you get past being stuck? Um, There are difficult stories that need to be told. How do we do that? And one important thing about storytelling, I I love to make sure that people understand. Storytelling is a process also. There's a science to it. One important element is you have to take people with you. You can't just be like, oh, I'm mad. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, that scared me. You have to walk them through how you got from sad to happy how you got from what it felt like to be cold, painfully cold. It really makes a difference when you can add those details because again, like everything else, other people have felt some of these things and probably felt isolated in their pain or in their dysfunction or in their sadness or even in their joy. I asked a question one time when I was doing a talk, I said, so everybody in the room, I want you to tell me about the first memory you have, right? And everybody's story was different. There was some stories about Disneyland, maybe a pet died, maybe a relative died, maybe a vacation, maybe a super summer. But by the time they were all done telling their stories, it really comes down to what was the first impactful moment of your life. That first memory is always something impactful. So when we can use our stories to be impactful, particularly in business, that's going to be who your target audience remembers. There's an art to it. And once I was able to get through that process, even some of the most difficult parts of the book, parts of my childhood, I realized helping other people do the same will allow for them to have greater success in their business. I had a media training client the other day and there was certain things she just wouldn't talk about. Well, if you're going to be on podcasts and TV shows talking about this, ma'am, you're going to talk about it. And she just refused. She just gave me all the pushback in the world. So I gave it right back to her until we were able to get a particular story out 
and it was disturbing and it was sad and it was dramatic, but she needed to do it. She needed to do it. Now we need to practice doing it. And the more you practice it, the less disturbing it is to you because now you're practicing. It's like anything else in business. The more you do it, the easier it gets. The more you do it, the easier it gets. So learning how to have those impactful moments without them taking you down, you know, it really can do wonders for your business, for your connections, uh, for the communities that you serve. It, it matters. All of those things matter. So being able to write that book for me was just took my work to another level. Mm. Now, how are you standing here? Uh, for those who may or may not know, listen to this podcast, I have a one of my degrees is in child and family uh, studies with an emphasis in family relations. And you can see in families where abuse, neglect, uh, violence has occurred. And somehow one sibling becomes a surgeon and the other one becomes a crackhead. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying we see those. You see I got so, right. So given what you experienced, how are you standing where you are now? That was actually my my personal charge to myself is to figure that out. Because what I didn't say is in the book, I write about there was another child with me that day that the murder occurred. And when I started writing the book and doing the research, I went to find out where he was at. I needed to know. I needed some answers. How's he doing? How are we doing together? Like we've never connected. His family was trying to block me from getting in touch with him. I eventually find out that he is doing time in federal penitentiary for a triple murder. So that was one of those moments where it verifies violence begets violence, obviously, but I wasn't done with the research. And I just read a lot and I ran into Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. Uh, she wound up becoming the first Surgeon General for California. Black woman, smart as a whip. She opened up a facility in San Francisco Bay Area dealing with children with ACEs. So Kaiser did the research. What I didn't know is Hospitals do research and then they put it in a book and then they put it away and people can take that work and do something amazing with it or do nothing with it. Well, she wound up opening the facility with the work that Kaiser did. ACEs are adverse childhood experiences. And my question was, how am I here? And he's not. Uh, love one winds up being the answer, right? And what does that mean? Love balances out the nasty in your life. There were people in my life that were good to me just because it was the right thing to do. There were people that loved on me and my brother and just cared about us because it was the right thing to do. For instance, my cheerleading coach and advisor, you know, there were times we would go to competition and no one would be there to pick me up afterwards. He would just make sure that I got fed and got home. He never asked like, where your mama? You know, it was really about neighbors helping neighbors, people helping kids that just need help. No one ever asked me, oh, so what's wrong with you? No one ever. And kids wear masks a lot. Kids wear masks. They do not talk about the stuff that is going on in their homes. Matter of fact, sometimes they overachieve because they don't want you asking what's wrong with me. They don't want you thinking or acting in a sympathetic way. I, want to, I don't want sympathy. I just want to be okay. And once I started reading Dr. Dr. Nadine Burke Harris's books and her writings and really studying up on ACEs, it started to make a lot of sense. Yeah, we're, we're predisposed, some of us, to mental illness and, and all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, when you have a supportive community, 
you can accomplish great things. Bad things are going to happen, but the people around you can really foster a sense of security, uh, hope, and love that feeds our souls to be able to keep going. And I just had goals. I, I wanted to do something different. I wanted my life to look different and feel different. So just like we talk about feelings and connection with business, I wanted my life to feel different. So what am I going to do to make it feel different? And that was really just being diligent about my goals and aspirations. And there was a few people that were around that happened to support that. So, you know, so I'm here with four kids, married 20 something years and trying to be the best I can be and leave this world better than I got it. So let's get into the work that you're doing uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, on your website, I can see that you offer a wide, r- wide range of services. Uh, can you get into that, uh, expound more on that? And how do you actually tailor your approach to meet the unique needs of your customers? Well, it all comes down to public relations and communications. I might be the first person that has actually lumped those two together. And why is that? Because leaders communicate. Sometimes they don't know how to communicate. So the experience is really about meeting with the decision makers to see what they are missing. They might come to they might come to us and be like, oh, I, I need I need media. I, I need to be in LA Times. <laughs> By the time we're done with the conversation, it's actually you need a database to start giving your clients a great experience because we we're not even there yet. It sounds good, but well, okay, what would happen if you get you get in the LA Times and you get a hundred leads? Do you know what to do with them? Is your business set up and equipped to be able to even deal with that? So it becomes a consulting process to see where we are in that business and what they need. Also, many business leaders, CEOs, CFOs, they don't even want to be in the media, in the limelight. They just want their company in the limelight. Well, here's here's the thing. As a leader of an organization, you still need to be on message. You still need to be on brand. You are responsible for what comes out of your mouth. And seeing yourself in that light is important. So it's consulting, but it's also an opportunity to see where your gaps are and then start putting in place maybe l- opportunities for you to be seen as a leader in your in your um, industry. And then we can pitch you to the media. But if your brand is weak and leadership is kind of doing their own thing and they're detached from the organization, we're not even there yet. It also gives us an opportunity to say, where do you want to be in the marketplace? What, what, is, what is the goodwill that you do also in the marketplace? We heavily believe that every organization should be doing something to leave this world better than you got it. Yes, you do. That also helps you to stay out of trouble and not le- and not need crisis PR. So let's find something authentic that complements your brand that you can continue to support. So every time some social justice issue comes up, you're not just throwing yourself in the fire thinking you have to say something and it doesn't even fit your brand. For instance, Ben and Jerry's is a great brand to look at. You always know where they stand. They are social justice, period. If it's going if it's going down, they're speaking on it. You expect that from them. Some people even go to them to see what they're thinking when issues happen. But if you're a jeans brand or a shoe brand and you really have never supported an issue, 
and then George Floyd happens and you want to start yelling diversity, diversity, but your board of directors isn't diverse and you're not hiring diverse and you have black and brown people complaining, then you look performative, your brand value goes down and we have a big problem. So Sand and Shores really comes down to leadership and communications because leaders communicate. They don't always know how to communicate. They don't even know what to communicate. And we're able to help them with that. So we've seen how building brand partnerships can be a great strategy for growth, whether we've, we've seen companies working with celebrities or just people on IG or, or social media who have this following. Uh, when you are looking at brand partnerships, what are the things that you consider? Alignment, making sure that we are, one, servicing the same around the same um, target market. That's one. Two, messaging. Are we are we speaking the same language or are we are we far apart on certain things? That's hugely important. And then complementary. What are you bringing that complements what I'm doing? And do I complement what you're doing? We're never in the same lane. We complement each other, which allows for both of our audiences to grow. Those are the three most important things is our audience, our message, and our complementary pieces to one another. What are you doing that I'm not doing? What am I doing that you're not doing? And how do we make that work? And if you look at most brand partnerships and collaborations, that's exactly what's going on, whether it's with an alcohol company, athletic company, even influencers. What you will find out is if it's not authentic and it doesn't align, the partnership will fall flat. It will. You know, influencer culture is big. They make big dollars right now. They're even starting to use a lot of AI in influencer uh, culture. But at the end of the day, the consumer is getting smarter. So just saying something isn't going to work. Many times they are researching, they are looking to see if you have a history of this, that, and the other. That is the one thing that, you know, social culture has kind of wrapped its arms around is the ability to research and verify. Not everyone does it, but trust and believe when they do, and they find out that you're a fraud or that you're being inauthentic, they tell everybody and it spreads like wildfire. So you're better off really being authentic and having a partnership that works well, that complements each other rather than just, I'm going to use this name or work with this person because they're big. If you guys aren't on the same, same page in regards to the people that you serve, your goals and aspirations, morals, uh, who you, you know, who you take care of. It won't work because eventually the truth comes out and it falls apart. We've seen it over and over again. Mm. So on your website, you have Lead the Way training, uh, which is specific for nonprofits. Uh, tell us what the training is and what specific skills you cover. So Lead is with two L's. Yes. It is look the part, leverage your experience, acknowledge the problem. No, elevate your voice, acknowledge the problem and deliver results. These are ways that organizations can really help to elevate themselves. So like I talked about the leadership piece of it, where are you in your genre, in your industry? How are you leading? It is important that you show a level of leadership before we start to pitch you to the media. Because again, when we are talking about you know media and people covering your story and covering you, you have to have something that stands out. So just saying, oh, I'm doing this and it's great. It might be great to you, but to the people that actually write about these things and choose 
who they write about and why they bring them in and put them on their platform. We know that. I know that. So part of the expertise is understanding if I talk to a journalist, I know what questions they're going to ask. So being able to help organizations, entrepreneurs, and leaders lead allows for our job to be a lot easier to pitch and get coverage for the things that these organizations or entrepreneurs are doing. Mm. Now, and I love what you just said, and you have a podcast and this is my ninth year with my podcast. And, you know, when you go on Apple podcasts and they recommend you different shows that you may want to listen, or you, you know, you do a search and see podcasts and there's like a podcast graveyard out there, right? Where you go back and you're like, Oh, these people hadn't released a show in five years. Oh, they did three episodes. They stopped. You go, okay, all righty. So it, it's not definitely for the faint of heart because you have to be consistent and have that love for it. You know, some people do it for a hobby and some people use it as a business strategy. Um, t- tell us about your podcast and how does your podcast align with your brand and the message that you want to convey as an entrepreneur? So Leaders and Learners is my very first podcast. And I love learning, like, like, give me something new. Remember my mom used to say, and she passed in 99, but one of the things she used to say is, don't you ever marry a man that can't teach you nothing. And I was like, okay, bet. First life lesson. I might've been 13. I don't know why she said that back then, but okay, I digress. So I've always loved to learn. Because when you're learning something, let you know you're alive. And there are people that think they know everything. You're talking to them and they just, nope, that's not how you, uh, everything is pushed back. We have to be open. We have to be open to learning new things, new ways of doing things. And that's what Leaders and Learners is. I have artists, elected officials, educators, athletes. You've got to be leading in something. That's actually a question. I need to know where you're leading at. And then we talk about how and, and the barriers and the boundaries that you've had to hurdle to get to where you are. It's incredibly important. My first guests were authors because I'm also, you know, because I'm also an author, but knowing that authors have some of the craziest stories. And I mean, my first few podcasts are amazingly crazy. So it's people that are doing great things, but you know, somebody got cheated on and then he changed his sex later. And, but she's a doctor now. And Those are great conversations, though, because other people go through crazy stuff and they always think no one no one else has. My life is just so crazy. Even my own story, being a gun violence survivor, and I'm also a speaker now for every town in Mom's Demand. You know, we go across the country speaking to different people. And I as crazy as my story is, someone can tell me a story much more outrageous, much more traumatic. So being able to have a platform where people that have succeeded and done amazing things beyond the things that life can bring you to is something that I've been passionate about for a very long time. And I learned something. I always learn something. There's, I haven't had one guest, okay, maybe two guests that really didn't teach me anything and almost put me to sleep, but I don't think I published. I digress. But it gives me an opportunity to really help Other people learn how to be better at what they're doing or think about things differently. It could be race related. I have no problem having someone on my show that thinks absolutely opposite of me. You can be a Trump supporter and come on my show. Did I just give that away? You can 
be a male chauvinist and come on my show because what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask those questions that everyone else wants answered and maybe even some questions that people didn't think about. I fashion myself as someone that can simplify complex issues through conversation. We cannot fix problems without talking and hearing how other people think. And that's what I'm able to do on my show, but then also having the opportunity to use it in business. We have to learn how to think critically in order to solve problems. We talked about businesses being problem solvers. Well, if you don't think about the problem critically, then your answer is going to be flat, which means the solution or the software or the business service that you come up with, if you really don't think through the problem well, then your solution is might be, you know, it's cool, but... But when you take the time to really dissect the problem and not be afraid to ask the tough questions, then you are able to have a dynamic solution that other people gravitate to, hence a more profitable business. All right. No Trump supporters coming on my show, though. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, so it's been I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for I'm a, a glutton for punishment. Glutton for punishment. Ooh, OK. Um, yeah, I, I, I look, I lost all kind of. <laughs> Twitter friends that for a time, just blocking, deleting, unfriending. It was uh it was something. Uh so Tanya, it's been awesome having you on the show. Uh before I go, I want to talk to you about uh social and the role it plays when we're talking about sort of brand promotion and building community. Because there are people on, you know, let's say IG, for example, who can have three million followers, but if they put out a t-shirt. They couldn't sell five. You must know about the influencer. <laughs> and so, you know, when people are looking. This is a true story, y'all. There's an influencer that has millions of followers and she couldn't sell a T-shirt. I, I heard about, you know, I definitely heard about that. And when we're looking at so social media and promotion and being able to build community, be, being able to to market and, and build that connection and be able to sell you know, bringing people along with you, what you mentioned earlier about your story is to bring people along with you on that journey so that whatever you put out, whatever you're, you are asking of people that they're willing to ride and rock with you. Um, when we're looking at that, what are some of the best practices that you recommend to clients for engaging their audience in building a meaningful social media presence? Be authentic. And I don't, I don't mean to um, be cliche about it, but People really don't support your business. They support you. And they'll not support you if they don't like you. They will not support your business. So helping people get to know who you are really through your social media platform allows for people to get to know, like, and trust you. Raving fans come when people get to know, like, and trust you. Be consistent and show up. Show up authentically. Do not try to be somebody you think people want to see, you know, I think that's a really, and more people are becoming hip, hip to the skip. You know, I'm putting on this facade on my social media. You ain't got to put all your business out there, but if you're gonna, you better be authentic about it and don't act like you're a millionaire, but you, but you struggling, you know, it's okay to talk about the bad stuff too. Don't be a complainer and a whiner. Talk about solutions, bring people into your circle. Always be responsive. Um, yeah, share. Don't be afraid to share because whatever you're trying to hide, they'll find out anyways, eventually. And it doesn't turn out well. So be as authentic as you can be. Interact as yourself, not some facade that you think people want to see. 
tell your story. There, this is the other thing. Tell your story, but depending on what environment you are in or what platform you're on, maybe there's a different perspective of your story you talk about. Maybe, you know, there's some things outside how you resolved something that went on in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same story all the time. Perspective. You've been here however many years. You got stories to tell. Don't be afraid to tell your story because people need to know, like, and trust you. That is how they wind up following you, supporting your brand, bringing other people to support your brand. That's important. If you tell somebody a restaurant, okay, this restaurant here is so good. It's so good. And you know, your friend and you tell her what to eat. Oh, this lobster roll is just so good. You got to come. And she goes and she gets your friend, another friend, and she brings them to the restaurant, your restaurant, and you don't change the recipe of the lobster roll. You don't messed up her credibility. So it's important to be consistent because when people like you, they bring other people to you. You should be the same person. <laughs> you should be the same person. Don't switch it up. Don't try to be something that you think other people want to see because you are enough on your social media platforms. Be consistent, be authentic, and tell your story. Awesome. Thank you again, Tanya, for coming on the show. Hey, um, my family's from Mississippi. What part are you from? Hattiesburg. Yeah. I'm from Hattiesburg. My family's from Hattiesburg. J.C. Yeah. Watts was my grandfather. All right. Yeah, yeah that's, where, that's where I'm living. I was uh, originally from Vicksburg and came here uh, to go to University of Southern Mississippi. Oh, my God. My cousin, Michael Watts, Michael Gates, he just moved out there and they opened up a bunch of Airbnbs and we have a ranch and all kind of cool things. Hattiesburg, listen, sir, that's nice. Nice yeah, to- I, I dig it. I lived in, you know, I, when I first graduated, I moved to Boston and I lived there for three years and it was uh, very cold, very expensive, but I did meet my wife and we got married and we moved here and the plan was sort of like, okay, we're gonna come here. We're going to get some graduate degrees, and then we're going to go to Chicago, where she's from. And we just started, you know, working and looking at the cost of living around here and say, you know what? We bought a house, and we're like, hey, um, we're here until we at least retire. I love that. Uh, because it's when I tell people what we, we're living off of, like, it's just like we're crazy because we have a four-bedroom, two-bath house that we, you know, we had to do some upgrades to it, but we didn't, but it was move in ready, except mm. for painting and stuff. And we paid 92000 for that. Yeah. I'll tell you what I like about Hattiesburg. And I live in Southern California, so you'll understand this. I was out there for rush hour. It was like 10 cars on the freeway. <laughs> I was in love. That's it. Yeah. It's, 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 for, it's different for us because we may feel like, oh, there's a lot of traffic, but uh knowing people that I know in California who can say, oh, I can realistically need to travel somewhere 20 minutes away. Won't take me 20 minutes with the traffic. And I'm like, listen, I lose friends out here in L.A., OK? Just saying. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not coming. I'll send you a card. Wow. 10 miles away. No, ma'am. I will not. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You guys take care. You are welcome. Thank you. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and to share with your network. And though I'm on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow on Apple Podcasts. So listen, because they check that out. Leave me some stars. Give me some reviews because your boy's trying to be found. And I'm trying to get Oprah 
on the show because I want to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Tanya McKenzie, for coming on and dropping so many gems and for you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you, EDU, peace. <laughs>